All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Compass Point, the podcast from the VCU Wilder School's Office of Research and Outreach. My name is Brittany Keegan, and I'm a faculty member here at the Wilder School. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Dr. Chelsea Dunn, a senior research associate within the Wilder School's Research Institute for Social Equity, also known as RISE. And today, Dr. Dunn is going to speak to us about her project studying equity within housing programs in Virginia. Um, so to start, Dr. Dunn, you know, please feel free to share anything else about yourself and your research that you would like the audience to know. And we would also love to learn more about your equity within housing programs in Virginia research. Um, so, you know, what exactly are you studying and what do you hope to learn from this? Thank you, Brittany, for the introduction. I'm excited to be here on the podcast. Um, so as stated, I am a senior research associate for the Research Institute for Social Equity. Um, my work focuses on race equity, housing equity, as well as health equity. Um, so a combination of um, some spaces in which I want to understand some of the inequities in which persons um, uh, from marginalized and vulnerable populations are facing, um, which brings us into the current work. Um, one of our projects is focusing on equity equity within housing programs in Virginia um, with a very special focus on university and college students in this space. Um, and so once we um, really started thinking about um, these programs and ways in which we can look at um, you know, equity, how equitable are they in a sense of their reach and accessibility, um, we begin to notice how university and college students are disproportionately impacted by housing instability. Um, and that that's a space in which is often understudied, um, given some of the misconceptions in which people have regarding university and college students, um, which is the first one is, well, you have dorm rooms. Well, dorm rooms cost, right? Um, and it's quite expensive. And so we wanted to see how are these programs situating um, themselves for university and college students in particular, um, and also just overall looking at some of their processes um, within these programs. And so with this, we're looking at um, three eviction diversion programs in the state, um, two are statewide, um, and one is a local program, um, and wanted to understand their processes in terms of how they are working. We also wanted to understand their reach um, and accessibility. Um, and so we're doing this in a multitude of different ways. Um, and so this is a mixed method study um, and wanting to understand, you know, what are some of the practices, but also understand what are some of the structural, environmental and personal factors um, that influence the services received, particularly for university and college students. And so what we hope to gain from this is um, providing recommendations for these programs and for the state, um, but also university and colleges and ways in which they can better support students who are facing housing instability while enrolled in classes, and also perhaps even afterwards as well. I mean, that all sounds great. And like you said, I, I mean, we talk a lot about housing in general, but when you're looking at that college student population, I rarely um, hear them being the focus. So I love how you're centering that group that doesn't get... Um, it's the same amount of attention that other groups do. Mm -hmm. What made you become interested in housing equity? Well, yeah, so um, prior to working um, at the Research Institute for Social Equity, uh, much of my work focused on HIV prevention and persons living with HIV. And in my research um, in this space, I began to notice discrimination and disparities um, persons living with HIV face as it related to housing. Um, and so from that, it really sparked my interest in 
diving a little bit more into housing equity um, and ways in which we can better support um, people and reduce this um, discriminatory ways in which people um, are facing when it comes to housing, um, but also understanding the ways, the things in which we can do um, in the space of policy to ensure this doesn't happen to all, um, because everyone should be receiving housing, right? I mean, that's one of our basic needs, which is shelter. And so making sure that um, this is something that's attainable and, and achievable for all. Um, and so that's where it started. Um, and then once I started here at the Research Institute for Social Equity, engaging in conversations with my colleagues um, and also attending um, APAM, um, I really began to get into more of this space and explore more areas that, again, are understudied. And so thinking about, you know, reforming zonings to allow for mixed income communities, which is something that um, we're starting to see happen here in Richmond, which is great, um, but also like building and preserving affordable homes and communities of opportunity. Um, and so these are um, spaces in which I've, well, excuse me, areas in which I've grown interest in, um, which then sparked with the rise of eviction rates um, due to the pandemic, but also seeing how even in Richmond before the pandemic, um, eviction rates were high. Um, it also happens to some of my you know, colleagues when I was in graduate school. Um, and so it really sparked me to think, hmm, this is a space when we're thinking about university and college students that oftentimes isn't talked about. And so I wanted to dive a little bit more into that and when we're thinking about housing equity. One thing that's really jumping out at me is just how many different areas, you know, housing relates to. You mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, those with medical conditions like HIV AIDS. Um, we're looking at planning and zoning. And I really like just how there's so much overlap with so many other policy issues and it all just comes back to that basic need of housing. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm excited to learn more about your research. Do you have any preliminary findings yet that you're able to share? Or are you still working on it? Well, we are still collecting data, which is great, but we do have some preliminary findings um, and I'm happy to share those um, with you um, and your audience. Um, and so what we're finding in some of our preliminary findings is that, you know, among university and college students um, who are students in the state of Virginia, um, those who are classified as international students are disproportionately impacted by housing instability. Um, additionally, what we're finding also when it comes to the eviction diversion programs in our state, um, those students are not eligible to participate in some of those um, programs um, due to not being U.S. citizens. And one thing you need is a social security card um, when you're thinking, social security number, excuse me, when you're thinking about having a lease and, um, and things of that sort. And so we're seeing um, a rise of um, housing instability among this population um, of students. And so some ways in which they are combating this is what we call couch surfing. And so if your friend has a sofa, right, that's a space where you can lay your head. And so for some people, they don't view that as um, a form of housing instability. But in reality, um, and in the way in which we are um, operationalizing it in this particular study, um, that is um, something that we are studying, um, the, the uh, frequency in which people are having to resort to I'm sleeping in someone else's couch or someone else's floor um, due to not being eligible for um, various state um, assistance programs. Um, we're also seeing within this um, and some lessons in which we're learning from our participants are students are 
telling us, you know, our university isn't reaching us soon enough. Um, they learn about housing and what housing, what, you know, apartments are available once they reach orientation. And so they are constantly saying, you know, we want to reach before that, like when we get our acceptance letter, also allowing us to know what we qualify for. Um, among the international students, they also noted how some of the particular programs in which they may be interested in applying for, they didn't know they weren't eligible for until they got further into the application. And so being able to reach students ahead of time, so they can also properly plan, but also so that we're able to provide them with the resources resources that are um, appropriate for them and which they are eligible for. Um, and so those are some of the preliminary findings um, which we found, but also some lessons that we learned in ourselves as researchers and some of the content in which we had um, initially presented. Um, and so in particular, we created this um, temp, uh, this template for each university um, in which we've had participants from that provided resources. And so in talking to participants, they were like, this is great, but we don't know if we're eligible for it. And so that made us revamp that um, particular document and put, you know, what are the requirements? If you're an international student, you're eligible for this um, so that that's clearly outlined for them. And that's great how you put together those resources so that others could kind of learn from your work and implement mm -hmm. it. I think especially with, you know, the policy research, that's so important. So we're not just doing this in like the ivory tower of academia, but really getting it out there and making real changes. Yes. Um, when you were conducting your research, did you face any challenges during the process? I guess if so, um, how did you overcome them? And maybe how might other researchers overcome similar challenges? Yes. So um, given the um, targeted population, but also the um, the area in which we're focusing on, recruitment has been a challenge. Um, and I'm sure other research can attest to you just recruitment overall, depend, you know, whatever project they're working on is a challenge. And so we figure that for some, they would not want to, you know, be included in this study with the fear of like, well, if someone finds out. And so we make sure that for our participants that their information is confidential, even with their pre-screening, um, but also realizing the way in which we are operationalizing housing instability may not be clear for them. And so we also have revamped the way in which we are thinking about this, right? And so for some, couch surfing, as I stated earlier, may not be viewed as a housing housing challenge. And so we want to hear those views from those persons. We want to understand, you know, well, why do you view this as actually housing stability or having a space? Um, and perhaps we need to, again, we can think about this when we're thinking about some of these programs to be explicit with, you know, if you're also, you know, renting a couch from someone or, you know, paying someone $50 to sleep on their couch a month, you're also eligible for this particular program, right? Because that is their home in that space. Um, and so recruitment has been a challenge. Um, and also with university and college students, they are a vulnerable population. Um, and so with them, they may feel as also sharing their experiences, may be serve as a barrier as well. Um, and so one thing in which we've done to combat that is provide multiple ways in which they can be involved and engaged in this particular project, um, whether that's with individual individual interviews, focus groups, um, as well as individual surveys. And looking ahead, what do you hope is going to be the ultimate impact or outcome of the work that you're doing? Yeah, so we, we hope from this project that we're able to change um, 
you know, the way in which the current eviction diversion programs are being inclusive of university and college students, um, regardless of their status. Um, we also hope that with these programs, that when they're disseminating this information, that they can also tailor materials towards being inclusive of students. Um, we've learned from us digging through some of their data as their content, um, but also in stakeholder interviews that, you know, some of these programs do allow for those who are in non-traditional leases to be eligible for it. But you wouldn't know that unless, you know, you take that chance in applying. But for some people, you know, what's the point of applying if I'm not eligible for it? Um, we also hope to see some changes in terms of, you know, policies surrounding university and college students um, at both the university and the statewide level um, to be more inclusive of international students. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's all great. And I'm excited to just, you know, see the, the work that you're doing in the future and start noticing some of those impacts as you disseminate your findings. Mm -hmm. um, in, so for this podcast, you know, one of the main goals is to share the, the research and the findings and the research process, but we also hope that, you know, other researchers can learn some of the methodology um, or even, you know, students who might be interested in getting into this work. Um, do you have any recommendations for others, whether it's, you know, students, new professionals, or maybe established professionals who are just really interested in this area? Um, so, you know, recommendations for them to get started conducting research in the housing equity area? Yes, definitely. Um, one thing in which was very important for us here at the Research Institute for Social Equity is leaning on our targeted population um, and using and um, having them involved in our research as subject matter experts. Um, and so one thing that we did with this particular project, um, and we were very intentional on this, is the involvement of students. Um, and so students are engaged in this at the research level to learn um, new skills um, as it relates to housing equity. Um, and they're also involved in our Community Advisory Action Board, um, which this board consists of um, students from Virginia-based universities and colleges. Um, and what they do is for us is they provide us with advice, but they also av advise us in terms of our next steps and the actions which we should take. Um, and that was something that was really key for us in this, is in, in having students involved. This is their study, right? This is about them. This is for them to see changes in this area. And so it's only right that we also um, involve them in every step of this process. Um, and so we lead very heavily on their advice um, and their recommendations as for some of them, they have lived this. Um, and that's how it is with the Community Advisory Action Board. Uh, members of that board have um, experience at some point in their lifetime um, housing instability while enrolled in college um, or university. And so I would recommend that to other researchers, regardless of if it's just housing equity study or any um, you know, research study in particular, having a community advisory action board um, to be um, your subject matter experts, um, it's, I think, a great addition to have to um, conducting research in this area. I completely agree. And thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, those are all the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, I would just say thank you again for this opportunity um, to discuss the work in which we are doing here at the Research Institute for Social Equity, um, but also being able to shed light on a um, 
an area that is, as I stated, understudied. Um, we hope that with this particular study that other universities and colleges are able to um, engage in projects, um, but also learn from um, our findings and be able to um, see some changes um, at their university, but also at their local and state level as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I actually just thought of one more thing. How will findings be shared? Will those be through the RISE website? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. So findings, um, we're, as I stated, we're still collecting data. Um, and so the project is um, scheduled to um, conclude in December. And so we hope by early 2024 that the findings will be available on our uh, research for uh, social equity um, uh, website. Um, Research Institute for Social Equity website, excuse me, um, come sometime early 2024. That's great. We look forward to that. And Dr. Dunn, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your, your work with us. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we hope that you will join us again for the next episode of Compass Point.